In ancient Greek mythology, Ares, son of Zeus, was the god of war, the god of battle lust, the god of slaughter. He was the personification of sheer violence and untamed brutality. Consequently, Ares, son of Zeus, was neither loved by gods nor men. It has been written that Ares raised as pets a group of monstrous hellspawn the size of cranes called the Stymphalian birds. Their beaks and talons were heavy bronze that could penetrate any armor. Their feathers were brass and sharp and could be fired from their wings just as if they were arrows. Worse yet, their feces was poisonous, though I think history likely proves most feces to register somewhere on the old poisonous chart. The Stymphalian birds ravaged countrysides, devoured the crops and cattle they passed. But Ares, son of Zeus, god of war, gave these Stymphalians something else, an addiction they'd never defeat. A taste for the human flesh! Ares, son of Zeus, god of war, and his flock of man-eating birds created a reign of terror that knew no boundaries throughout all of ancient Greece. In the year 1980, the average height of a Greek male was 5 foot 7 inches. 5'7 in 1980. But here's the thing. The ancient Greek god Ares, son of Zeus, god of war, that guy we were just talking about, he was born way before 1980. Like, way before. So way before. So how tall could Ares have been? Was Ares, the god of war, five feet tall? 4'11", 4'10"? That's how tall Danny DeVito is. By contrast, another famous Greek by way of Nigeria is Giannis Adentokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis is six foot 11 inches, 243 pounds of lean muscle with a seven foot three inch wingspan and a 13 and a half inch Achilles tendon. For Christ's sake, tailor-made to efficiently store and release elastic energy. Giannis is a basketball dunking machine. Giannis was made to dunk basketballs. He's the Greek god of boofing. And the entire point of all of this is to say that Giannis Adentacumpo would absolutely fucking dominate Ares, god of war, in basketball. He'd fucking house that dude. 611 versus 411, maybe 410? Get the fucking birds ready, Chief. You're going to need them to stop Giannis. But for Giannis to take his rightful place atop the Mount Olympus of basketball, he would need to create his own act of God. He would need his giant, dominant, defining sports moment. He would need his Stymphalian birds. And he got it on July 14th, 2021, game four of the NBA Finals. Giannis's Bucks were in danger of going down three games to one to the Phoenix Suns, who led early in the fourth quarter by nine points. If you don't know the story of this Giannis block, buckle up, you're going to love this episode. If you do remember it, what you've probably already forgotten is exactly how much Giannis Atentacupo took over every single aspect of this game midway through this last quarter. Defensive rebounds, offensive rebounds, putbacks, dunks, 
drawing fouls, multiple assists, multiple steals, and up until 90 seconds left in the game, one block. His Herculean effort, another Greek god, gets the Bucks a two-point lead, their first lead of the second half. But the Suns have the ball, and they have a top 15 scorer in Devin Booker coming off a Jay Crowder screen and then a DeAndre Ayton handoff. All of that action forces Giannis to guard Devin Booker out past the free throw line. Booker's driving. Giannis is low and in a defensive stance, stalking Booker so he can't get to the rim. When all of a sudden, Giannis's man, DeAndre Ayton, slips to the basket and is wide open underneath the rim. Without ever picking up his dribble, Devin Booker throws a right-handed lob off the bounce, high to the rim, with Giannis forced to watch the play, caught in the middle, out of position. But you're only out of position unless you can get in position. Giannis wheels, watches the ball, leaps to the basket, stretches out his long Greek arms, unleashes his own hell-spawned birds of prey, and blocks Ayton's shot. The game did not end on that block, but it did when Giannis got one more steal, his third of the game, which led to a Chris Middleton layup. Giannis Atentokounmpo, son of Charles, god of boofing and game-saving blocks. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I am your host. My name is Neil, but you may know me as Gotham Coach or the long-lost Gasol brother or the podcast Sidney Moncrief, the not-muscular Terry Cummings, coming to you live from the Shaquille O'Neal office depot, big and tall executive suite desk chair. Today's episode could be sponsored by Patagonia Outdoor gear and things. <laughs> I don't know why it would be, but I've been thinking about Patagonia a lot lately because I need to buy an adult bag. I've been traveling. I need to buy a bag. And I really appreciate what Patagonia stands for as a company. And that seems few and far between. They seem to put their money where their mouth is. You know, I'm sure there's a company they're terrible. I realized this past trip, I use a gym bag. It's like a duffel bag that I got as a freshman in high school when I played basketball. And I still use it to this day. I go out in public with clothes and things packed in a high school gym bag. Some may say that's insane, but I say it's a tribute to great bag craftsmanship. All those years later, and this thing is still hanging in there. Just like Patagonia, they make bags that hang in there. Patagonia, throw a couple dollars my way next time. Giannis Adentacumpo's Game 4 block in the 2021 NBA Finals is undoubtedly a monster play and sports moment. But is it good enough for the first ballot Hall of Fame? Well, we have to decide that today. And here to do it with me is a very special guest. It is my honor to welcome the screenwriter of the Spirit Award-nominated White House Screened. The inevitable defeat of Mr. and Pete, the screenwriter of the Emmy winning When They See Us, and the executive producer, showrunner, and lead writer of the Emmy nominated Image Award winning Colin in Black and White. He also wrote and produced the legendary Legends of Chamberlain Heights on Comedy Central, which I personally wanted to shout out. He's a Hollywood mover and shaker. He has an overall deal with Netflix. 
But more importantly, he has a fascinating story to boot. He is Mr. Michael Starbury. Michael, thank hey. you for being on the show. Hey, hey, thanks for having me. I must say, it seems like you're wasting what limited time you have by appearing on this podcast, but that is a testament to the power of the Giannis block. That is right. That, that's why I'm here. We're we, we going to get into it. Let's get into it. Before we get into our moment in your career, let's table set. Favorite sport, favorite team, favorite athlete of all time. Those will give us a good idea of who Michael Starberry is. Uh, favorite sport growing up was baseball. It wow. switched to basketball. Favorite athlete of all time was Gary Sheffield. Wow. Now it's probably Ray Allen. Wow. The Bucks was always my favorite team, even when I loved baseball. So it's always the Bucks. You always preferred the Bucks to what? The, it must have been the Brewers then. Yep, that's right. God, yep. and Gary Sheffield, man, he swung a mean bat. That was my favorite thing about Gary Sheffield. Yeah. Is it looked like he wanted to murder somebody with that bat? <laughs> yep, yep. I just remember the baseball cards, him and Griffey Jr. You know, that's my era. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee. You are. You grew up in Milwaukee, but now you currently live in Minnesota, despite being. Uh, uh, um, um, a movie guy, but despite being a Hollywood guy, I don't want to say Hollywood in, in a detrimental way, but you work uh, uh, in screen uh, writing and producing and, and soon to be directing, but you live in Minnesota. Talk about that. Um, yeah, it was just a, you know, decision that I made early on. Um, it didn't feel like with the way things were going in the industry that I really needed to be out there. Right. Uh, to make it happen. And I'm comfortable in the Midwest. It's, this is this is home. So I was happy to be able to make it happen from here. If you're willing to travel, you don't really need to live out there to, to be a screenwriter, um, especially when you don't really necessarily want to write for a show. Um, right. If I'm writing my own show, I can be right. out there for a few months, but I don't have to live out there to be a, the kind of writer that I want to be. Good for you. I appreciate that. You, now, you mentioned Gary Sheffield being your favorite athlete, but he is not a Milwaukee Buck. So who is your favorite Milwaukee Buck of all time? It's either Ray Allen or, I mean, see, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a front of the jersey guy, right? Yes. So Glenn Robinson, Ray Allen, you know, like yes, these two wearing, dudes right here. He's wearing the Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson t-shirt, NBA uh, Jam t-shirt. Those guys on the current team, I love everybody. Everybody's falling in love with Bobby Portis lately. Uh, you know, we can go back to the TJ Ford days. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I, it's, I love the team, man. I'm a team guy. I want TJ Ford to come on this show and do an episode about that gigantic Jersey uniform he wore <laughs> in his NBA. You remember that NBA media? Yeah, on media day. Yeah, the shorts too. The shorts came down to his ankles. Enormous, just enormous, like jokingly huge. Like you can't believe it. If you haven't seen it, hop on Google and check it out. It's truly absurd. And really, in my opinion, a great sports moment. I got to get uh, TJ on the show. Um, are you, you seem like you're too young for the Sidney Moncrief, Terry Cummings bucks. Is, is that true? Please tell me I'm not the super old guy here. No, I remember um, okay. Terry Cummings, um, Sidney Moncrief, Paul Pressey, Paul Mokeski, yes. Brian Winters. Oh, I um, love this. I mean, let's go. I, dude, you're dealing with the real deal. I'm, I'm not one of these casuals. I'm not, I'm, I'm, this is... This is the real deal, sir. You're doing <laughs> the real deal. I love it. I love hearing you drop those names. I love sports names. I love that you drop real names. To me, you've proven your medal as a real Bucks fan. I, strangely, I'm a gigantic Lakers fan. I'm not the biggest Lakers fan. I am the best Lakers fan. And I hate every other team. However, 
I was in love with those Bucks jerseys. Those like, I mean, they do the throwbacks of them now. Those with a panel down the side yeah. and the different shades of green. I yeah. loved those as a kid. Those were like my favorite NBA jerseys <laughs> of all time. And so I knew all of those players. Like that's how I got into watching like Sidney Moncrief and yeah. Terry Cummings. Moncrief, I'd say, is in like my top uh, ten at basketball players of all time. Uh, uh, so I appreciate the Bucks, whereas most teams. Uh, and fans, I just hate them and dismiss them. I want you to know you are part of a privileged few who get some appreciation on this show and from me. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, old school <laughs> bucks. It, w- it was fun back in the day. Um, you know, we were we were good in the 80s. Good. Never good enough, but That's right. very, very solid team. It must make this window of time very special and very fulfilling to see Giannis really doing it. It's the best. Um, I mean, I want to live in this forever I, the lottery <laughs> years the lottery years were like the you know at the beginning of um kind of social media mm-hmm. so it was fun finding fans from all over the world to lament yeah. with but right. uh i would rather win i like the winning like that's that's, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's cool too i'll take that <laughs> sean sean o'connor who's a, a comedian and writer himself uh came on the show he's a mets fan and he talked about a magical season. That's what he talked about. He talked about magical seasons. And I realized in hindsight, Lakers fans like myself and Yankees fans, you know, the, those giant teams, Alabama football fans, you don't get those magical seasons because the expectation is that you compete every single year and the fan bases, mm-hmm. you know, beat themselves up to be a Bucks fan, to, to grow up in a period where they were always good, not great, and then they would slink away a bit and then come up again for air and then sort of get pushed back down, and now to sort of climb the mountain and be great and be and to have this window of what I presume will be the next five to ten years where they will always compete because of Giannis, that's magical. It must be a lovely experience. I don't have it because my team has been great for so goddamn long, but mm. it seems like a really special thing that as a sports fan, I'll never really experience. And and I'm sort of jealous of to have a memory like this Giannis block and that, and that title. You could switch to the Clippers. No, I don't know. I don't know. That's a terrible <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> you could just root for the Clippers if you need that, you know, if you want that brand new car smell, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you and Josiah made Legends of Chamberlain Heights, which I was a fan of. If you don't know Legends, uh, it's a Comedy Central animated show, never got a fair chance. Uh, most people think of Josiah as like the Twitter guy, which is absurd. He's like a mover, too. I look up to both of you guys. How did you get together? How did you make Legends of Chamberlain Heights? Um, so it was Joe and his buddy Quinn's idea. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they had this idea to do a show about, um, how they were on the bench at UCLA. Right. Um, the producers brought me in, you know, as a writer. It's like, Hey, do you dig this concept? And at the time they only had the three main characters, but you know, I, I looked at the material that they had, you know, it was super funny. Um, I thought we could do something poignant. Uh, tell a story about at the time, I guess it would have been millennials, but Gen Z still would have rocked with it. And yeah, so we just met through like a business connection and then Joe and I just became tight. That's amazing. Yeah, we were just, you know, they brought me in to be the writer and we just became cool. Like it was was just one of those kinds of things. We had like-minded, you know, sensibilities and sense of humor and his dad played for the Bucks. 
So, you know, that was, <laughs> that was kind of like, okay, like, this is meant to be. You know? I'm going to take this just to meet just to meet this guy that used to play for the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and now I'm friends with them. So I'm glad to say that Marcus Johnson is my real friend. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, last question before we dive into our moment. Michael Starbury with three R's in your last name. Have you ever owned a pair of Starbury shoes? For those of you that don't know, Stefan Marbury went to China, started a line of affordable sneakers called Starberries. Do you own a pair? I would if I were you and I had a sneaker with my last name. My God, I'd have them all over the house. Did you ever own a pair of Starberry shoes? No shoes. Jerseys. Oh, okay. They made jerseys too. Um, So I have two Starberry jerseys before they went out of business. Amazing. Yeah, man, yeah, I think you could get him like two for 10 bucks. Like, it was, it was, I mean, that was his thing, though. He wanted to make it inexpensive Affordable. for, yes. yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. I couldn't hoop in those, bro. Like, that no, that's I not. Listen, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate Steph, Stefan. I mean, he's cool, too, but I'm not hooping in those. <laughs> and I think Stefan, uh, the logo on the shoe became a, a tattoo on his face, did it not? Yeah, it is on his face. That's right. Like on his on the side of his head or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know mm. if the if the shoe logo or the tattoo was first. That's something to for the mm. researchers here to dive into. We'll get to that soon. Let's dive into our moment to make a decision on whether Giannis's block makes the first belt hall of fame. We must go through our Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge our moment. The first credential is always analytics. People love stats. Michael, I want to pitch you some stats behind this moment. If you have anything, if you have any comments on anything, please jump in. Giannis's box score from this night, game four, the finals, 43 minutes, 11 of 19 shooting. That's 58%. My God. For 26 points, which is, I believe, the, the his low tally in this uh, finals, 26 on 11 of 19 shooting. Fantastic. Only four of eight from the free throw line. 14 rebounds, eight assists, led the team in assists, three steals, and two blocks. Chris Middleton had 40 on the night, 15 to 33 shooting. Pat Connaughton, huge game, 31 minutes off, off the bench, 11 points on 43% from the three-point line, and nine big rebounds. Your thoughts on that? This block wasn't just like a you know a single moment from from a guy. He had a monster game in the context of this of this night. Your thoughts on his box score from that night, Michael? It was typical Giannis. He didn't get buckets like he normally would, but we're gonna we're gonna let him slide on the buckets because we know what happened very soon after that game. What he did to oh, the uh, to the Suns, but let's not forget the man was basically playing with one good knee. I know that's the you're please. I don't want to interrupt you, but you're absolutely right. Go ahead. It's so you know to put up numbers of, across the board like that. You know, to be able to help your team in multiple ways, not just getting buckets, not just rebounding, getting blocks, passing the ball, but all of it. Yes. This is what makes MVPs. He he really, he's in that like LeBron territory where you hear his his line and you kind of just dismiss it because it's what's expected of him. But again, 26, 14, 8, 3, and 2 in a finals game. I mean, that's absurd. And it's it's sort of dismissed because 26 isn't high as the back-to-back 40s, the 50 ball to close out. I mean, it's just, he's remarkable. It really is MVP level. And to your point, two weeks prior to this game, he hyperextends his knee 
I think we all watching thought he might be out of the rest of the playoffs. I thought it was over. I thought it was over. I mean, that's amazing. (laughs) But, you know, uh, he persevered, man. I mean, he's a warrior. He's a warrior. So, you know, that's the honest word. He really seems indestructible. It's quite amazing. Uh, Some more stats here. This could be the worst game of Chris Paul's career. 36 Hmm. and a half minutes, 5 of 13 from the field for 10 points. Zero for two from three points. Zero, uh, no free throws attempted. And he, of course, made none. Four rebounds, seven assists, five turnovers, and four fouls. He was minus 10 in the plus minus. I mean, great defense from the Bucs. A really um, strange game for Chris Paul there. Phoenix won the first quarter by three. Milwaukee tied the game at heading into the half. Phoenix won the third quarter by six. A six-point lead entering the fourth, and Cam Johnson hit a three-pointer to start the fourth quarter. They had a nine-point lead in the fourth, and Milwaukee ends up winning the quarter by 12. Really amazing. Phoenix only scored 21 points, their lowest-scoring quarter of the game, and gave up a big 33 points to the Bucks. They, of course, win game four and tie the series 2-2. Here, I want to walk through the end of the game here. Giannis' stats the end of the game. It's, you heard the line, but now let's talk about when it matters. Giannis in the fourth was three or four from the field, seven points, five boards, two assists, two steals, two blocks. God damn. (laughs) At 89 to 84, Phoenix is up five with eight minutes left. This is the type of moment and scenario where if you continue to close the window and close the gap that Phoenix has on you, you're good. But if you don't, you have to start doing things you don't normally do on offense and defense, and then maybe it doesn't work out. Well, 89 to 84, Phoenix with the ball. Here's what happens. Here are the things Giannis does at 89-84 until the end of the game. He has a steal and a dunk, a rebound, another dunk, an assist, another rebound, another steal, an offensive rebound, a layup. That makes it Bucks 94, Suns 95. Giannis assists to Connaughton for a three that gives the Buck the lead. Giannis draws two fouls. He gets a rebound and, of course, the block on Aiton. Those are the things he did at, when the Bucks were down four with eight minutes left. To me, that is the definition of finals MVP. Finals MVP. Yes. <laughs> when you show up like that, when it matters in a game four, good God Almighty. I mean, what 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 else is there to say? How much time was on the clock when he got when when the block happened? The block happens with one sixteen left in the game. Okay. Okay. 76 seconds left, and he blocks that shot. Okay. Uh, according to the NBA, from the moment the ball leaves Booker's hands until the moment Giannis can test the play is 0.9 seconds. Mm. I think maybe they fudged that number just a bit, but let's say, let's agree, that Giannis had one second to spin around leap and contest a shot in what is almost assuredly the biggest moment of his career up until that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's truly amazing. The NBA also says the ball is 11 feet, six inches in the air when he contests it and gets his hand on it. I mean, the, the numbers behind this moment are a lot of fun to think about uh, your thoughts on the speed with which he wheels around and makes the block on Aiton. We can talk about the speed and, you know, just his athletic ability. But Giannis gets knocked 
by professionals, from old school dudes, from casuals on the internet for a lack of skill. Right. That is one of the most skillful things you will ever see on a basketball court. You're exactly right. He, what he, if that could be done by your average NBA player, we would hear about it all the time. You would, it wouldn't be such a hall of fame moment. What he did is almost unheard of. And it's a testament to his, not, not just his natural ability, but a skill. To yes. pivot like that, to jump in the air to and not foul, that is amazing. That is skill. I think you're. I think you're exactly right. I think that's probably the best example of his skill. I think that's the peak for him in terms of showing off his skill. He's playing. He's defending two guys at the same time, mm-hmm. and he's on minute. 42 of 43 minutes that night. That's right. He should be gassed. And then if you think about the context, if he doesn't make that play and the Suns, you know, uh, uh, it's just amazing. It's amazing to think about the finals. The Bucks haven't been there, you know, haven't won and haven't been there in years. And the, years. The, I mean, it's just amazing <laughs> to think about the context. How you stay of clear mind in those moments and, and know to – Hedge on Booker, stay in front of him, force him to make the pass, and then turn around, wheel, and make that play. It's really just remarkable. It's remarkable if you haven't seen it. Rewatch the play. Go to our Instagram at First Ballot HUF. It's truly breathtaking to watch. It's truly amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and I'll, it'll never get old to me. I can I can <laughs> tell you that. I mean, you know, there's a couple of plays in that finals that stand out, but you know, this one was the one where you felt. We, we have a legit shot of winning this whole thing. Oh, my God. This is so exciting. Okay. The next category is the eye test. What did you see in this moment? Did you see anything in rewatching this moment that gives it that little extra added oomph that might put this moment in the Hall of Fame? Again, not everything can make the first Bell Hall of Fame. A lot of great plays. A lot of good things to talk about on this podcast. But not everything is going to make the first Bell Hall of Fame. Did you see anything in this play that gives it that extra added sort of appreciation that might put us in the Hall? Giannis impressed himself. Yeah. <laughs> he really he, did. Watch him at the end of the play. Yes. He impressed himself. He, he, there was a little <laughs> fist pump in there where he was just yes. like, oh, okay. <laughs> I actually did that. To me, <laughs> when you're as gifted as that and you can impress yourself. Yes. Come on. A great come on. Put that in the rafters. He really does. He kind of stands at the stanchion and really sort of enjoys the moment. He really was. He was seemingly a little surprised, certainly appreciative of what he had done. That's a great ad. I love that. Yes, right there, man. I loved everything about it. It's interesting. I think Devin Booker has to throw that pass because Giannis is playing defense on him. Because Giannis is so long, so athletic, and such a good, skilled defender – Booker can't really attack because Giannis is in front of him, which makes him pull up and throw that one-handed alley-oop, which is super cavalier in that moment, by the by, to throw a one-handed alley-oop. And for Giannis to wheel around and make that play, the pass wasn't perfect. It was a good pass, but wasn't perfect. It's interesting that Giannis made him make that pass, which is also the thing that let him get back in the play, that it was a little high and a little off and made Giannis sort of, uh, made Aiton rather, sort of lean his body a bit to the side. Uh, t- truly to me, obviously he made the, the, the block, which is amazing. 
but the defense leading up to that forced the bad pass, which helped him get the block. I think that's something that's that's additive here and helpful for the moment. Uh, I also think I love that. It's that's great. Yeah, you don't think about the defense that forced the yes the pass wasn't like you said it wasn't a perfect pass. Right. Yeah, that's a that's a great pull. I like that. I like that. It's you know it's interesting because those are the types of plays that never make the stat sheet and. You know, you think, I mean, obviously Giannis gets the defensive accolades, defensive player of the year previously, but a lot of people that watch defense, it'll go by stats. Like Rudy Gobert gets a bunch of blocks, but there's a lot of guys. I mean, Marcus Smart just got recognized, so I appreciate it. But there are a lot of guys that do little things that impact games that don't ever get the stat. And I feel like that is one of them. Giannis forcing book to make that pass is the mm-hmm. only way he gets to to that block because mm-hmm. the pass is off because Giannis forced him to throw a bad pass. So yeah. I just appreciate that from Giannis. Uh, yeah, another thing I think is interesting is you mentioned the hyperextension, his injured knee. He yeah. jumps off that leg, yeah. it, which also happens to be his left leg. So not even his dominant leg. He jumps off his left leg, which was recently injured. And to start the play, he has a foot on the free throw line. His Mm. toe is on the free throw line when the pass gets made. And Mm. he somehow wheels and turns and blocks a dunk attempt. It's really just remarkable. The last thing I want to say about Giannis, he's in watching this play, you really notice, especially when you consider him being injured, you really realize that he's a physical marvel. The likes of which the league really hasn't seen. I, I feel like it's LeBron. Shaq, Wilt, Giannis, maybe even like Russell Westbrook. Those dudes seem indestructible. It seems like they can make a play at any given moment. And when you watch this block, I feel like you really get a sense of that. I, 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 it doesn't make much sense that he got this block. And for him to get it, well, just it's memorable for me. And I don't like the Bucks, and I wish the Lakers had won every championship. And for me to remember this as clearly as I do, I think speaks to its, its uh, status. It's either the best block in finals history or the second best. Um, I'm willing to debate that, but it's one or two. And you're, you're saying, what do you believe could be the other one? I presume I know what you're talking about, but what do you think? The LeBron block on Iguodala. Yeah. We're going to get to the test of time here in a moment where we compare this moment against other moments like it. The LeBron block, the stakes of that one, the story of that one are so hard to compete with. Mm Mm-hmm. But the, 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 the physical ability and skill of this one put it yeah. right there. And that's what's amazing is that you can you, – he, he wasn't playing the team with the best record of all time, and he wasn't coming back from down 3-1. Uh, and it's still right there in the conversation. It's, it's impressive. Yeah, it really is. Do you remember what happens after the block? Um. I don't actually. I don't either. I didn't <laughs> either. It's so, and that's a testament to the play. The fact that you just go the block, the block, and you remember the block, and you probably remember you blocked eight, and probably remember it was on alley oop attempt, or maybe yep. you don't. Doesn't matter. But I don't remember what happened. So the Bucks go get the ball. Obviously, the Bucks get the ball. PJ Tucker is right there, gets the ball, and PJ yeah, Tucker was guarding Devin. Tucker Polk, got the rebound. Let yep. me let me guess. Did they come down and score? Was did Middleton get like a mid range? They didn't. Middleton missed a shot. Okay. They got the offensive rebound. Middleton missed another mid-range. The ball goes back down on the other end. Chris Paul, pick and roll, involving Giannis. What does Giannis do? 
the exact same thing. He guards Chris Paul. This is my last sort of entry into the eye test. He guards Chris Paul on a pick and roll. He hedges out in front of Chris Paul. Chris Paul tries to cross him over, but Giannis is down low. He's in a defensive position. He swipes at the ball. Chris Paul di- sort of dives for the ball. He gets a little off-centered. He, f- he trips over himself a little bit. He falls. The ball squirts away. Drew Holiday grabs the ball, race down to the other end, pass to Middleton, who scores the layup. Son's got to call the timeout at that point. The, the house is going nuts. The reason I bring it up is to say we were just talking about how Giannis's defense forced Devin Booker to make that pass. On the next trip down, without the Bucks did not score. On the next trip down, Chris Paul crosses over in front of Giannis. It should be easy for Chris Paul to get right past an NBA big, but he can't because Giannis is that good. He's down in a defensive stance. He didn't just rest on his laurels from that block. He stayed in the moment. He got down and the steal gets credited to Drew Holiday. But I'm telling you, Giannis Adentacumpo makes that play. I love it, man. Um, underrated defender. You, it's, really it's, it's weird during the regular season he doesn't get the kind of love like a rudy gobert and right you know um now everybody's hyping up uh i mean everybody loves marcus smart uh we always love drew holiday and these guys are great defenders but you know i love what Giannis does on ball off ball big situation give he's me Giannis. yeah he's a monster he he, he could be Defensive player of the year every year. Uh, you know, the league is going to spread it around to make news, but he, he truly is uh, one of the best defenders I've ever seen, which is remarkable. Uh, the next category is the ear test. What did you hear in this moment? I want to play the call for you. I didn't really realize as I got into this show how much the call impacts the moment that we remember. Here's the call from Mike Breen. Let's listen to it together. Now Booker with Tucker on him. Throws it up for eight. Shot blocked by Antetokounmpo. From Giannis. And a good job by Middleton. Settle down, get right back into that action. Okay, now th- this this is a point where the Bucks get the ball. They uh, we just mentioned this. The Bucks try to score twice. Neither one happens. Here's the the, uh, the Suns bringing the ball back down the court. Mike, that was one great block by Giannis. Chris Paul falls down and lost the ball. And you've got numbers right now if you're the Bucks. Holiday, Middleton inside, he banks it home. Timeout, Phoenix. This building is shaking. Michael Starberry, what emotions run through your body as you listen to that call? I'm having um, my my arms have goosebumps. <laughs> Getting emotional over here. It was an emotional that whole that whole run was emotional for me. Um, I mean, they, they haven't done that since I've been alive. I can tell yeah. you that much. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what stands out from that though. Maybe I was too hyped in the more moment, but listen, Mark Jackson's like very even killed, isn't he? Like, bro, you're watching history right now. Get hyped. But my man's just like, Chris Middleton's bringing it up and he's calming everything down. It's, like, it's, 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 <laughs> it's a rare moment where you have this like obviously miraculous play. And I think Breen's sort of exaltation makes that clear. 
Yep. But the game kept moving on. Like the mm -hmm. game was still live. Nobody called a timeout. The game kept going. And because of that, uh, you know, and I'm not a giant Mark Jackson fan, but I will give him dispensation by saying the game kept going on. And what's crazy, what's even crazier is because Chris Paul loses the ball and Drew Holiday, quote unquote, gets the steal, even though I believe that's Giannis. And Middleton makes a crazy basket where he's clearly fouled and they don't call it and he makes the basket anyway. Then the timeout happens. Then they go to commercial. The block in the moment doesn't really get anything other than what Mike Breen gave it as mm -hmm. it happened. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a strange moment where the call isn't as special as I would love it to be. I don't know that it's going to affect its, its candidacy here as we're considering the hall, but it's, it's certainly, I wish it were a little better, but Mike Breen is like a legend. I gotta, I love his, his yelling there in that moment. I wanted to play you another moment. Here is uh, Giannis after the fact in the, in a press conference. All right. Let me see here. As I said, like I didn't jump to block the ball. I jumped towards the rim. I feel like that's what uh, kind of, help me i i think that's i had not heard that but that idea he said you know he starts that interview uh, i didn't play it but he starts that interview saying he thought he was going to get dunked on which is very candid of him to say but i think it's fascinating to hear him go i didn't jump to block it i just jumped to defend the play i think that comes from repetition uh, muscle memory yes um like we talked about earlier, it's a skill, you know, to be able to do that, to know to do that, not foul, make a, yes. a, a defensive play for your team. I, I I love how candid that dude is, by the way. He really like, is. He, his interviews are always great. Um, yes. But yeah, just about the play, though. Absolutely. You know, me at home watching it, I, I don't know that he's not trying to block it. Right. I just know that I'm super hyped that he blocked it yes. and the fact that he didn't give up on the play. I mean, I can think of a hundred players, you know, who are so-called great, who wouldn't have done that. You know, I don't want to name any names, but it's, it's there's, <laughs> there's some cats out here in the league today, you know, that try to, they try to put on Giannis's level. They're not, they're not Joel Embiid. Come on. <laughs> Joel Embiid's not doing that. <laughs> tell me Joel Embiid's doing that. If you tell me Joel Embiid, you, you tell me Joel Embiid's doing that. <laughs> I love that this has been simmering just beneath the surface since we started this podcast. And it finally erupted your agenda against Joel Embiid. No, no, I don't mean to apply <laughs> that. But you're right. I, I completely, and honestly, I'll go even a step further and people aren't going to like me, but it is what it is, baby. Anthony Davis. I love Anthony Davis. To me, he's the other guy that's in this general bar ballpark of being able to defend multiple people, get off off the ground. But that the strength involved in that, the ability to fight through an injury and make this play in the finals. I, Anthony Davis is a monster, but I'm not certain Anthony Davis makes that block. So I, I don't want to just make the spot Joel, although that was very funny to hear you clearly go at Joel Embiid. Gifted player has a maybe an MVP in his future. He's not Giannis. Yeah, the truth. He's not Giannis. And stop. And, and while I'm at it, you know, make sure make sure the world knows this. Stop trying to compare Ben Simmons to Giannis too, everybody. Like this is not. It's not the same thing. It's not the same things. Knock it off. 
Can we can we knock that off in 
in researching about you for this podcast, I found some things that I was surprised to see, shocked almost. You never went to college. You never took a screenwriting class. That's correct. See, and you, and I've read a couple of your interviews. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. You approach these, this line of questioning with the focus of a man who is as successful as you are and have been. But I am here to say your career, having not done any of the things that 99.9999% of the people that end up having these jobs do, for you to have the success that you've had, it seems more difficult than making the NBA, than being a professional athlete. Plus, you're doing it as a black man in an industry that has been created and um, pushed forward by white men. Your thoughts on me saying that? Do you realize that you, and it might be difficult for you to answer this, you want to be humble, but I'm here to sort of gas you up. I'm here to go, what you've done is more difficult than making the NBA. And I don't think people probably think about that or appreciate it, but it's what you've done. You did not go to college. You did not take a screenwriting class. And here you are with an amazing Hollywood career that's only on the rise. Yeah, I, you know, once in a while I'll stop to think about it, but, um, you know, it's the last thing that you mentioned that kind of just keeps me focused. Um, there's just so many things that I want to accomplish in the business. Uh, so I guess I never really look at it as where I came from. I'm just trying to get to where I think I can be and I'm not there yet. What? That's amazing. And I think by the way, if I may editorialize here for a moment, I think that sort of focus is the takeaway for anyone listening. It's it's like it doesn't stop. The marathon continues and the job persists and you have to keep working. And the second you stay at that stanchion too long and celebrate your big block and don't play defense on Chris Ball coming down the next time, maybe you're not winning the championship. And I feel like that's what you're that's what you're saying there. So something to take home for the listeners. This is a hellacious business. I honestly can't believe, I mean, I'm in television. You're in films now. You do TV and film. But it's, the movie business is so nasty. I almost can't believe you're even in it. Of all the projects you've worked on that have never seen the light of day, and some of them that have not seen the light of day yet, anything that you've worked on that sticks out, that you're excited about, that you really want to press forward and and see through to completion? Yeah, Um I'm hoping to um, make my film Watch Roger Do His Thing. Um, yes. It's a, a script that was on the Hollywood Blacklist, you know. Explain uh, that to everyone listening. It's The Blacklist is a list of the best screen unproduced screenplays in Hollywood. Um, I think the list is either, it, it comes out every November or December um, right. annually. Um, and I had the honor of being on there like nearly at the beginning of my career. That was one of the things that helped, you know. Uh, right. get me uh, some notoriety out there right. and you know it's been you know 10 11 years and I'm trying I'm still trying to make that you know I want I want to direct that that film and I've had some good starts um and some good luck with uh actors and producers but it's still a grind um right now people appreciate my writing and I'm I'm trying to make that next step over to right. directing I uh, 11 years 11 years you've you've 
gone from writing that and you're still fighting to get that thing made, I feel like it's going to get made. I feel <laughs> like your trajectory is straight up. I feel like people are just starting to learn about your skill and your talent and your ability. And when that gets made, I feel like it's really going to be a special moment. And I feel like everyone, myself included, that's listening to this podcast, when that movie gets made, I want everybody to reach out to Michael and congratulate him because this has been 11 years and it's still the thing he's grinding on. And I just appreciate it. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge that watch Roger do his thing. I'm excited for the day that you announce that that is being made. Yeah. Yeah. I won't give up. So hopefully we'll hear about that. one. You also mentioned as I watched, um, uh, listen to some podcasts rather, uh, Pulp Fiction being the movie that sort of changed your, um, vision of the movie of the movie business and what you could do in it. What yeah. were you doing? What were you doing for a living before, as you watched uh, Pulp Fiction? What were you? What was your job before you decided to dedicate yourself to this uh, this path? Um, I used to do IT work, so like computer help desk. If your right. computer was busted, you call down, you know, call us and be like, "Hey, I can't log into blah blah blah." Here I am in my little shirt and tie coming down to your desk and. Oh yeah, you didn't do this thing, and you know I get your computer going, and then I just go back to the back room and wait for the next complaint. Um, so it was very menial work, um, but even then I was coming home to write. You know, so it was that that was really just uh, let me pay rent because I'm starting to fall in love with this other thing, and I just need to spend time with it. How and how did you learn to write? Um, I mean, this is, people think this is wild, but it was, pulp, I watched Pulp Fiction and I didn't know movies could be like, like, it was the first time I saw a cool movie like that where right, the right, characters right. were talking like that and it was nonlinear and all these things. And man, I went to the bookstore and I grabbed the script <laughs> and I just read the script and I watched the movie together and I just started to put it together. Like, Okay, this is how you write a script. And it's not like my first scripts were any good. Right, right. You know, right. like they were awful. Um, but I kept getting better because I tell people screenwriting is like my Rubik's Cube. You know, and I still haven't gotten them all together yet. Right, I've come right, close. Right. You know, there's some things that people enjoy, some things that have done very well for me, but I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, one of these days, I'm going to get all these colors right. And I'm going to shock the world. But right now, you know, I'm just still trying to figure it out, still trying to master it. And but, yeah, that's how I taught myself. I, I, I learned by reading Pulp Fiction. And from there, I just dove into films and screen and screenplays. And also, I started to read uh, authors that I like, like Elmore Leonard, you right. know, just to become a better writer. So I think it's I think it's amazing that you used Pulp, like Pulp Fiction is not. Pulp Fiction is because you said non-linear. The dialogue is off the charts. That's a crazy movie to go. Let me learn screenwriting from this movie because it's so diff. It's so difficult to write, or you'd think it would be for most people. It's it's really amazing. I I feel like, you know, I do this a lot on this show, but it's something that I think is worth doing, and I think it's worth doing every single time I see it, and that is for you. You're just making the donuts. It's just your job. And you go, I don't linger too much on the success of this thing because I'm thinking about the next. And I saw multiple interviews where you said something to that effect. And I just want to take a moment to go to me. 
having worked in a, in a in this business or adjacent to the movie business and to know how brutal and how difficult it is and how trying and how much it tests your will and your desire and your talent and your work ethic for you to do this and to do this as a black man massively impressive everyone listening to this should be massively impressive impressed by this young man and I hope that you and your family take a moment to realize that what you've done is like fucking like being on the moon level difficult. It's like being on the fucking moon level difficult. There are probably more people that have been on the goddamn moon than black <laughs> men that have taken the path you've taken to the point where you are in your career. I really think it's just I just want to take a moment. I don't mean to embarrass you, but it's I think people need to recognize these moments in their career and in their lives and in the lives of the people that they know or can follow on Twitter, follow everyone, follow uh, Mike at Starberry Mike. It's, I pull a lot of inspiration from stories like this. And I just think that a, a lot of people listening will too. So I hate to monopolize this podcast and talking so much, but it, it's impressive. And I just want people to recognize it. Can you speak? You must have a lot of very supportive people in your life. Can you speak to the role your wife has played in your career? Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, when we were dating, she uh, saw that I was falling for this thing and we were living together. And, you know, I she said to me, hey, why don't you stay home and write and I'll take care of everything. And who, you know, who says that? Like, that's a keeper. You know, uh, she had faith in me, uh, trusted me to get it done. And even more than that, I, I honestly think even if I never would have, she would have never regretted that decision. That's just the type of girl she is. So it paid off for her. You know, it was a better, I tell her it's a better investment than Bitcoin. Like, <laughs> got in super early. And, and look at her now. Look at, <laughs> look at her now. Don't, don't have to lift a finger. She... She's she's all right. She's all, but yeah, that kind of support was was huge. And I know that when I talk to writers who are trying to make it happen and have to have a job, not everybody is as lucky to have that. Right. I, I know that is yep. uh that was a huge advantage for me to be able to focus on writing. I you you guys can't see this because it's a podcast, but I can see the focus written all over this man's face. I could also see how special your wife is written all over your face as you were talking about her. And and let me say for a moment that my wife is the exact same way. My wife, um, I left a job and tried to go after a dream. And my wife, I mean, she wasn't my wife at the time, which makes it even more miraculous, took care of everything in my life. And the only reason I'm here in this point in my career and making is because my wife, is the most amazing person I've ever met. And I just think it's a, it's worthwhile to mention the people like that, that allow us to do these things. And um, uh, you guys have done that together. I hope she, I hope she takes a moment to, to, to appreciate what you guys have done together. It's just remarkable. You guys are fantastic. I appreciate you being on the show. Really. It seems like a waste of your time, but we'll keep going. The next category, the next credential is our test of time. This is when we compare our moment, the Giannis block against other moments like it, Listen, we talked about LeBron already. 
the, 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 the LeBron, I mean, the, the moment, the, the, the stakes of LeBron's, the story, it's like, it's difficult. They, these two things can be one and one A. I don't want to get into which one is better. They're both up there. They're like neck and neck. Truly amazing. There have also been other great blocks in NBA history that don't have the stakes. Michael, are there any, do you have any favorite blocks that you can remember in your fan career? Again, it doesn't need to be in a big key moment. Yeah. It can just be a block that you love, that you remember seeing and that you love and you want to talk about right now. I remember, so you remember that block and I've only seen highlights. It's not like I've seen, I, I don't remember seeing it live or anything, right. but isn't it, there's this block where like Sean Kemp just grabs it out of the air and just yeah. like, <laughs> like, yeah, <it's> awesome. <laughs> yeah. like, that's the one that comes to mind where it's just like, it's almost like a rebound. He just yeah. like grabs the ball. So snatches it. <laughs> yeah. I love that one. Like every time I see that clip, it's just like, man, like that's that's just an amazing athletic play. Like yes. so that that's the one that comes to mind. I'm, I'm probably missing quite a few, but No, um, that's what I like. I like that immediate reaction. Like that that first thing that floats to the top of your brain. I I know exactly what play you're talking about. You're exactly right. He cups it, he snatches it out of the air. JaVale McGee has one like that. And Blake mm -hmm. Griffin has one like that on Darren Williams. I think I saw that game live because they were, uh, uh, it were at Brooklyn uh, playing the Nets. And Blake just, it's like peak athleticism. Blake jumps up, just snatches the ball into the air. Anytime it's not just I'm blocking the shot and the ball gets deflected, but like you just take it from the other guy. That just seems extra special. And oh, those yeah. do stick out. I love those. That's my favorite. I mean, it's a better play than knocking it five, you know, rolls into the... For sure. Yeah. Uh, the other blocks here to talk about. Kawhi's middle finger block on Jamal Murray in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Bam out of bios, overtime block in game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Helped the Heat beat the goddamn Boston <laughs> Rob actually, Rob, my editor, bleep every mention of the Boston in this episode. Both words, bleep them both. We don't need to hear those words in this podcast. LeBron's block on Tiago Splitter is a good one, but I went back and watched it. The Heat are up almost 20 at that point. It was the finals, but it had no impact on the game. So, Which game was that? Game what? Uh, game one, I think. Game, maybe oh, yeah. it was game two. But, uh, the, you know, they're, they're up 20. I'm like, who gives a shit? Like, it was a great block. But, the, you know, if, if you're going, it's a great block in part because it's in the finals. It had no bearing on the game. The Heat won. You know, it was the Heatles. Whatever. I, you know, a great block. But I'm not going to put it up against Giannis. I still believe Giannis's play is better. The two that I want to discuss with you, Michael. Charles Smith blocked, I believe, tw only twice. But the story is that Charles Smith gets blocked four times at the end of the 93 Eastern Conference Finals Game 5. Let's listen to that here. Plenty of time on the shot clock, down to 10. Ewing for Smith. Smith. Smith, Smith, stop, Smith, stop the game by Pippen. What a play by Scottie Pippen. Final seconds, Jordan. I think what's important to mention, first off, I love the 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 energy of the garden. I love the organ to start. I love that buzzer horn as BJ Armstrong lays in the ball at the end. Marv Albert, I don't know where Marv Albert will be when the Chicago Bulls win another championship, but I'm digging up that body and I'm making him talk about the Bulls on the title. <laughs> the Bulls were up one in that moment. If Charles Smith makes that layup, the Knicks likely win game five. And they're up three. They're one game away from beating the Bulls. And in 93, this is like peak Jordan. They were so 
close. This was as close as the Knicks have been since they won in the 70s. And there were two blocks from Pippen in a row and mm-hmm. then a strip from Jordan and mm-hmm. a great defensive play from Horace Grant. They say four blocks. I think it's two, whatever. Is that moment, is that Charles Smith moment better than the Giannis block? What are your thoughts? Better for the Bulls? I mean, no, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to tell you why. You just mentioned Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Horace Grant. Right. When we talk about that Bucks play, how many Bucks players are you mentioning? One dude. It's one Just guy. one dude. <laughs> one dude doing the, the job of three. <laughs> one dude. So the Giannis Bach is definitely a notch above, at least a notch above. All right. I love this. Okay, here we go. Here's the next one. This one is a real competitor in my mind. Tayshawn Prince's block on Reggie Miller. Yeah. It is probably the highlight of Tayshawn prince's career no disrespect to tayshawn great player gold medal winner great defender but th- when you mention tayshawn prince it damn near might be the only thing people remember is this block detroit is up two in game two with 20 seconds left let's listen to that he lost the handle Tinsley, reggie miller and it's blocked again oh. what a block how did prince get there what a block I didn't think it was any way possible for him to get this shot. He's, he's, he's 10 rows into the crowd. I'll tell you what, he laid out his entire body for this play. Brad, that is an amazing. Reggie Miller had a five-step advantage on him. There was no way he could get to this ball. I got to tell you, live, I thought it might be Golden, but I think... That is one of the most amazing blocks that I have ever seen. He had no chance. I'm telling you, Brad, no chance to get this ball. Wow. That was Glenn Doc Rivers on the call. Glenn nails that call. And let me tell you, that is the power of the ear test. That is the power of what the announcers add to a moment. A tremendous play from Tayshaun Prince. Michael, is Tayshaun Prince's block better than Giannis's block no <laughs> but here's here here's why here's why and shout out to doc for you know for the ear test and <laughs> I, I can see how a, a man with less uh control of his emotions would let that get to him because it, it was it was very good here's the thing if i recall correctly Reggie doesn't see that play happening. Doesn't see it. It is more impressive to me. I love this. (laughs) When you are contesting a shot from the front. Now, (laughs) I am not knocking Tayshaun's hustle. Right, right. Of course not. This is the tremendous play. If I remember correctly, tremendous play. Great play. A better block? Absolutely not. (laughs) Okay, but let me me just qualify it a little bit more, just real quick. Please, please. People can make that. I can, any small forward, power forward with leaping ability and grit and hustle willing to run can make that block. Okay. (laughs) Name me a player. That's great. I mean... (laughs) 
who's doing what Giannis did. If switch roles, Giannis ah, is making that block. Yeah, yeah, he is. You're exactly right. One hundred. Okay. We've seen it. This is great. We've seen it. This is exactly what I wanted out of you. You're <laughs> nailing this. So Tayshawn is not making a Giannis block, but Giannis is making a Tayshawn block. <laughs> I love it. You should be a lawyer. Honestly, you should you should really think about switching careers and being a lawyer. Uh, Detroit is up two in game two with 20 seconds left. Miller's about to tie the game. Tayshawn, like a bat out of hell, blocks that shot. Detroit beats Indiana in six. And then historically, the Pistons do go on to win the 2004 NBA championship against the Lakers. I do not recognize that as an official league championship. It's a new thing here on the show, my refusal, and therefore the first Bell Hall of Fame organization's refusal to acknowledge and recognize the Pistons 2004 championship. I just want to be clear and out there with that. So I agree with you. I am going to say Giannis's block is more impressive because Tayshon's block led to a win, but then ultimately did not lead to a uh, Neil-recognized uh, NBA championship. <laughs> All right. That sounds, sounds fair to me. <laughs> the other moment to compare Giannis's block to is the alley-oop from Giannis in the very next game. Bucks up one. Giannis with the boof and the foul. Don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. Which is the better moment? Giannis's oh. block or the alley-oop? Oh, boy. I'm not saying only one Giannis finals moment will make the first bout Hall of Fame. But we must consider... That are we going to put two in that are one game removed? Which is the better play? This is one of the toughest questions I've ever been asked. <laughs> um, he's the, really at a loss for words. The oop was the was like celebratory. Like yes. it was almost like. You know, the cherry on top. Yes. Watch that play, and you see Giannis put his finger up, and Drew sees it at the right time. Oh, hey. And Chris Paul tried to kill Giannis. We don't talk about that enough. Yes, that push. Yes, yeah. Hey, man. The block was the block, the block. I'm going with the block because defense wins championships. Yeah. Like, that was just, I just loved everything about that from the strip yeah. to the oop to. You know, like I said, just Giannis's control on the rim. Oh, man. What a, a amazing, amazing play. Etched in my mind forever. It, it's so much fun reliving these moments with you, watching you remember them. It's really the best. You, if, you, if you support a team that has not won a championship, you simply must switch and support a team that wins a championship. Because <laughs> reliving these moments is so much fun. It's a goddamn blast. It really is. Don't switch, though. Hey, listen. Listen. Unless you're a Kings fan, I, I don't know what you, you might be. I don't, I don't see it happening for y'all anytime. But, <laughs> but you know, the the beauty of it is you you rock with your team through those hard times because right. this becomes so memorable. Right. You know, um, two thousand one with the you know the Sam Cassell Ray Allen Glenn Robinson team, like that was hurtful for for me. Like. Yeah. I was too much of a fan then. Like I'm, a, I'm a fan. I'm still a diehard. But at that time, like you know, you're young, and it right. means so much more to you. Yes. And I feel like we got cheated. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, to to go through it again and actually make it and do it, yeah, yeah. But I would, you know, my advice would be rock with your team, man. It just, yeah. it just feels so good. Like you know, there, there's teams on the cusp. Um, I, 
I hate that it's like kind of the same teams. Like we don't need to right. see like Cleveland again. Right, like right. I don't care who's on the team. You know, <laughs> okay, you guys have been there enough. Like, you know, I'm I'm rooting for like I don't know. Let the Wizards get one one day. You know, like, <laughs> you know. In stark contrast to Mike, I'm saying switch teams, switch your affiliation. Nobody gives a shit. You just you gotta experience a championship before you die. It's the fucking best. And then you see the clips like in like this. I say this a lot. When you watch when you win a title, the best part isn't the night of. It's when you watch Sports Center at the beginning of Sports Center. They show that like the trophy moment where Giannis raises both, or where Kobe does, or like whatever, whoever, whichever team you support. When you get to see that replayed and you get to remember that moment and bask in it, goddamn, that is a blast. You got to switch teams. So screw it, switch teams. Well, give them a team to switch to. Don't just tell them to switch. <laughs> uh, at Roger, Roger Sherman from The Ringer tweeted, could the iconic game four Giannis block that blocked the eight and alley-oop have, could it have blocked the iconic game five Giannis alley-oop? Makes you think. That's a great question. I love that. Could Giannis's could Giannis's block on Aiden? Could he have? Could Giannis Atendakupo blocked his own shot in Game Five? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. Actually, did you see how high that was? It that was, was kind of like. It it really was like a Grant Hill. You remember that like Grant yeah. Hill alley oop in the tournament? It's like he's like. If he doesn't hit the backboard, I feel like he just goes flying out of bounds. Like he really <laughs> is up there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That, that would be tough uh, on the break like that. Um, I'll tell you what, though. That would have been Hall of Fame worthy if somebody sure. <laughs> can, I, I get the feeling bump. we're going to do an episode on that, on that dunk at some point. Yeah. Um, the next category, the next credentials are burning questions. These, are, the, these questions are very important. The answer to these questions could decide whether this thing makes first bell Hall of Fame. Here's the question. Is Giannis's block less impressive because it was against the Phoenix Suns? Okay. I'm sort of, <laughs> I'm kidding asking that, but it is fun to insult the Phoenix Suns and their fans. <laughs> I mean, if you can't win a title that season or this past season, when are you ever going to do it? Is Chris Paul's only getting older here. Like what are the Suns doing? I, 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 I'm in, I'm feeling bad for Suns fans. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, I will say for a guy like Giannis, here's here's the real thing. For a guy like Giannis, who's clearly competing against like Braun, KD, Steph, for like best player on the planet, a lot of dudes on the internet are going to do whatever they can to strip you of your title, to strip away what you have, strip away your title's importance. Listen, I just did it with the Pistons in 04. That's what I'm here to do is to make certain people less important, like the six Rob beep that, the six and the 2004 Pistons who beat the Lakers. For Giannis, you could look at that title and go injuries, the path to the finals was different because of the injuries – to me, for Giannis to have moments that really, really matter, the back-to-back 40s, the 50 ball to close it, the block and the dunk, it makes it takes away your ability to question le- the legitimacy. Giannis closed the door. He, if, you, if he's not the best player in the league, he's got to be number two. And I just appreciate that those moments, and I think this adds to this moment's greatness, it makes it undeniable. You can't look at Giannis anymore and be like, ah, he's good. He's a great player, and he's going to be historically great when it's all said and done. I have nothing to add to that. If you're... <laughs> 
I'm nodding in agreement. <laughs> Let's move on. Before we get to the next category, do you hear some more questions for you as a screenwriter? Mr. and Pete, yeah. your your first screenplay that got me into a new movie. Mr. and Pete got screened by Ms. Michelle Obama at the White House. That is correct. What did that feel like? What was that experience like? Um, That's one that I sometimes forget about. And then people remind me. And I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, we talk about rarities in this business. Mm-hmm. There's been, I mean, less of that than the Oscars. You know, right. I mean, not a lot yep. of people get invited to the White House to screen their movies. That's right. So, and that was like my first big, you know, and, and the thing is, Mr. and Pete's just an indie film. It's not right, like a big right, movie. Right, right. But right. it was my first kind of, hey, Hollywood, I can write you movies, movies. Right. And uh, to be there with her, to hear her talking about it, to point me out specifically for, yeah, it's um amazing. You know, it's one of those things, man. It's amazing. one of those things. You know, he's telling this story. He's telling the story, and he's wearing a 2021 NBA Finals championship Bucks hat. This guy is on cloud nine. This guy's nailing it. He's nailing it. <laughs> it's just worth acknowledging. Michael Starber, you're killing it. I think it's fantastic. The next credential is Twitter fingers. Any great tweets about this moment? You know what's funny is there aren't a lot of funny tweets about this, which I think speaks to its amazingness. It speaks to how incredible it is in the moment. Nobody's looking to make jokes when you see this play. You're just going, fuck, shit. Look, did you see that? Can you believe that happened? Uh, uh, here's a, a, a famous tweet from the moment. Andre Iguodala writes, that Giannis block was crazy. King James-esque. That's high praise from Andre. Of, although, of course, at the same time, it behooves Andre to take the shine off of LeBron. It's like, forget about that other one. Yeah. Like, this one right here? Whoa. <laughs> because there aren't a lot of funny tweets, I went into Michael Starberry's Twitter, at Starberry Mike, follow him. Oh, no. Uh, he has one that says, again, that you retweeted a clip, which I'm going to play in a moment. You know what? I'm going to play the clip right now. Let's listen to the moment together. This is uh, Michael Starr retweeted this clip of Giannis. I want the MVP. <laughs> I want the MVP, yeah. Th- that's Giannis, little baby Giannis. You you go on and tweet about him. You say, 12-year-old Giannis saying, I want the MVP. Speak your dreams into existence or something like that. Listen to this again. I want the MVP. <laughs> I'm on the MVP, yeah. Do you hear those reporters start laughing at him? Mm-hmm. Mm. They're laughing. They're openly laughing at him. He says, I want the MVP. He's just a little scrawny little kid. He goes, I want the MVP. And everybody starts laughing at him. And now think about what he's done. Back-to-back MVPs. That monster finals, the championship, and he's just on He's goddamn rocket fuel uh, blasting off for the next five to eight years. It's just amazing. You tweeted speaker dreams into existence or something like that. I really feel like Giannis probably lives by that sort of saying, do you believe in that? Did you speak your dreams into existence? Um, I'm, I'm doing better at making that a reality. It's so funny that you, you picked up on the, um, the laughing from the reporters. Yeah. Because uh, when I was working on Legends of Chamberlain Heights, uh, I remember there was a moment, you know, Excuse me for this sincerity right now, but I was, I was, I I told the showrunner at the time and the producers at the time that I felt like the show could be better. Mm. And, you know, in that moment, I was telling them that I want to be great. Joe was in the room. Right. I said, I want to be great. 
and they laughed. Like, so it re- I hadn't picked up on that laughter before, but it's funny that you mentioned that. And I remember them laughing and not under, and, and now I get it, you know, years later, they couldn't see it, right. but I could see it for myself. But they, I said, I want to be great. And they found that funny. And then I went and got nominated for an Emmy. <laughs> That's a true story. So <laughs> it's, it's, I, I get it. I get it. But it's, and, and I'm sorry to, can, you know, it's kind of a little bit tangential, but I'm listening to no. them laughing. I'm hearing you pick up on that. And I'm hearing this kid saying he wants MVP. And it just resonated with me because I know that moment where you're telling people you want this thing, you, you want to have this thing, and they can't see your vision. You know, it's people who can't reach that, that, that height that try to pull you down and keep you down with them. Shake them off. And go do your thing. Don't let that affect you. Or if you're the type of person that needs it, use it as fuel. Right. Use it as fuel. I don't need that, but I can understand that some people might. I uh, I have chills. I appreciate you telling that story. I appreciate you being open with it and sharing it. I slammed onto my desk. I don't know if the microphone picked it up. My pen went flying. That I was taking notes with. That energy... It is, it is the same thing. Like you telling that story against this, us appreciating this moment of Giannis sort of his come up. They are, to me, they are in the same ballpark. That like belief. I played that moment. I played that laugh for a reason. Now I didn't know that you had that story, but to me, your ascension and the moment that you got faced with people that didn't believe in you and you having to fight through and get there, it's the same goddamn thing with Giannis. Now, you do different things, but everyone, all of us, we meet those moments in life. And if you can stay focused and fight through and believe in yourself, I, I think you can get there. I don't, I don't mean to I've, – I've had a lot of advantages. You mentioned your wife and what she did for you. Like I will never forget my, what my wife has done for me in my career. But th- you need help. But I think that anchor, that base can be your belief in that, that fight and that energy. And I love that you have it. I love that you shared it. And I, I, I want um, black people and all people of color to not tamp that down in yourself. Continue to believe in yourself. It's, it's, it's lip service to hear. I hope that you can find moments in your own life where you can live that live because I think it will fuel you. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that story. Another tweet from you, you wrote, quote, my goal is to become so great that old filmmakers hate me like old basketball players hate Giannis. I love that energy. I wish you well in your journey. It's so exciting to watch your career. Thank you for sharing it a little bit on the show here. The next credential is our X Factor. Is there an X Factor? Everyone knows what an X Factor is. Is there something in this moment that help pushes it over the line. You know, the one for me is I wish there was a nickname for this play or a different nickname for Giannis. I hate Greek freak. I just, Greek and freak rhyme. I guess he's freaky, but Greek, I don't know. I, you know, he's Nigerian. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I wish there was something else, a nickname for this play or a nickname for Giannis that was like cooler to me. I wish there was something like that, that like sort of pushed it over anything for you, Michael, that pushes this moment over any Um, again, you know, we brought it up, but I think his, his knee looked like his kneecap swallowed yeah. a pumpkin. Um, <laughs> and, he, and he still did that. Um, right. 
I, I think that's an X factor. Um, I, I don't know. That feels like it to me because I'm trying to think who else was on the court. We know, yeah, Drew, Giannis, Middleton. You said Pat Connington was on the court, I yep. think, maybe. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't know who, maybe Brooke. But, uh, yeah, no, see, that's that's the thing. I mean, that Giannis is the X factor. He I mean, is. he's the... You don't like Greek Freak, huh? I mean, he's he's he hears that a lot that you know people wishes that he had a different nickname, but he always says he doesn't mind it. I you know, I know, and I and I think that's part. Uh, listen, I don't mean to listen. Giannis can have his own opinions, and his opinions are right. I believe Giannis is like a really nice guy, and so of course he's gonna like that nickname because he's a nice guy, and it's a nice nickname. And I it's a, <laughs> I just think I look at Giannis and I go, you are like half metal. You're indestructible. You're like a, a a a demon robot sent here to dunk basketballs and destroy fans' hearts. And I want something that speaks to the coolness. And I just feel like Greek Freak is like, I don't like that it rhymes. It's just a little cutesy for me. Listen, nobody needs to nobody needs to listen to anything that I say. It's all bullshit. But I I don't love Greek Freak. I do want to come up with something different. And the 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 the, the top of this mountain is KD pushing the servant or whatever the fuck he was pushing. When he, <laughs> and Slim Reaper was right there. That is the greatest unused nickname of all time. That KD should be the Slim Reaper and that he didn't immediately accept that and go with it is just a goddamn shame. Those are the types of things that make you live forever. When everybody goes... The Iceman George Gervin, the Slim Reaper, and now I gotta go Greek Freak. I listen, I just want a better nickname for Giannis. I'm gonna work on it. I'll get back to you guys. All right, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> but you're right. I think the pumpkin shaped knee and the steel afterwards, those are two like X factors that I think I bet you most people don't remember. I bet you damn near bet you everyone listening to this doesn't remember that two weeks prior he had a hyperextended knee or that he got that steal on Chris Paul just afterwards. Uh, great mm-hmm. play. Um Michael, we're almost running out of time here. You've been here for a long time. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We're almost out. It's time for more important. I have one question here for you. Michael, you are an award-winning screenwriter, a showrunner, soon-to-be movie director, but your most important job is as a father. Tell us about why being a father is more important than both sports and your movie-making career. Raising kids. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's time for more important. <laughs> that was fantastic. It's time for more important. These are more important questions than what I just asked you, and your answers to them will be more important than any of the bullshit we've been talking about before this. <laughs> Michael, are you ready to go? The music's already playing. The theme music, there's a timer on this. There's no specific amount of time, but there's a timer on this, so we have to answer fast. Are you ready for more important? I am ready, ready. <laughs> Which athlete is the best actor? Ray Allen. Oh, I love it. I was perusing your Instagram. I saw you wearing a You're Killing Me Smalls t-shirt. What is the best sports movie? Major League. I love Major League is so good if you haven't watched it. It's fantastic. This isn't about me. He's got a great answer to that. All right. Next question. Put somebody on. Spike, Singleton, Duvernay, Peel, Coogler, and Starbury. Who's the next great black film talent? The next great black film talent is Josiah Johnson. Ah, here we go. Here we go, Joe. Let's go. 
You've mentioned the movie Pulp Fiction inspired you to get into this business. What is the best Quentin Tarantino movie you cannot say Pulp Fiction? Uh, Inglorious Bastards. I love Inglorious Bastards. It's so outrageous. The audacity to do it's just fantastic. Great answer. We got to keep going. The time it's clicking. Who is the goat when it comes to movie directors? The goat is David Fincher. David Fincher. What a great answer. I would have never guessed. What's your favorite David Fincher movie? That's a sub question. Seven. Yes, of course. The great answer. What is, what's a movie that you think is genuinely great, even though you're supposed to, by societal standards, you're supposed to be embarrassed that you love it? Norbit. Oh, with Eddie Murphy? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're, you're you're really supposed to hate Norbit. Supposed to hate it. <laughs> what a great answer. I would have never in a million years guessed that you would work Norbit into this conversation. Fantastic. You play a lot of basketball. Who is your NBA player comp? Who does your game remind people of in the league? Rafer Austin. <laughs> oh, skip. <laughs> <laughs> and here's another question we got to keep it who in hollywood can really play ball um george clooney yes he can great lots of stories about george clooney super cool of course george clooney can play ball super cool and the last question and more important when will the milwaukee bucks win another nba title uh june oh, here we go <laughs> here we go a fantastic round of more important i really appreciate you appreciate you doing that um, the next credential is our cosign. The question is to you, sir. Sh- should Giannis's block on DeAndre Ayton in game four of the 2021 NBA Finals make the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? It should make the first ballot Hall of Fame because it's either the number one uh, best block in all of NBA Finals history, not just NBA Finals, in NBA history. Yep. Um, yep. Back when there was like six teams and no black dudes. Uh, it, it, it's it's been it's either number one or number two of all time of all the games ever played. Um, that's number one, and number number two. The other reason that it should be Hall of Fame we touched on is you can't name me anyone else who could who can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's the list is small. The list is maybe Hakeem Olajuwon. Right. The list is maybe you know a healthy Ralph Sampson. Right. Um, but that's it. You know, Dikembe Mutombo exactly doesn't have right. the agility. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. So these, it's, this is a, you, you have never seen it before. And ladies and gentlemen, you may never see it again. <sighs> what a great ad. You're, there is a legitimate possibility you never see that play again. Oh, what, a, what, a, what a great ad. You're exactly right. It's time for the induction speech. That's the last credential. The induction speech is when I kneel, get to decide whether this thing makes the first ballot Hall of Fame. Listen, I'm going to take everything Michael said into, into account. A lot to consider here, including that last banger. That's a fucking banger at the end of the cosign. The Giannis block to me announced the arrival of the next greatest of all time candidate. I mentioned it earlier on. If you extrapolate this dude's numbers over his career, I think there's a legitimate chance he's in the debate for greatest of all time. I'm not certain he gets there, but that's not the point. The point is he will be considered. And when you think about that, you think about all the dudes that have laced it up. For him to be in that conversation, it's really amazing. And that is the power of moments. You need a big, giant, nasty moments on your resume to be the greatest of all time. And this block 
is the first real defining Hall of Fame moment in this dude's career, and he will be legendary. He will be remembered forever in basketball, and this is the first play that really puts that flag in the ground. A lot of people online commented that this block is in the NBA 75 video commemorating the league's 75th anniversary team, and that's for good reason. This moment wasn't just a play. It was the fulcrum around which the entire 2021 NBA Finals momentum swung. I think that play is the fulcrum of this entire series. The Suns win game one, 118 to 105. The Suns win game two, 118 to 108. The Bucks come back, blow out the Suns in game three, 120 to 100. Now game four, if this all boils down to game four, if you can win the series tied, it's the best of three series. And what happens? Giannis gets the block, protects the lead, and they go on to win. What happens the next two games? Bucks win game five, Bucks win game six. Bucks in six, and that doesn't happen unless Giannis blocks that shot. Mr. Adentacumpo, DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, CP3, Michael Starberry, and Bucks fans around the world, congratulations. The Giannis block is hereby inducted into the first ballot Hall of Fame. All right. Congratulations. Woo! We did it. We did it. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much for doing the show. I found it. Uh, inspirational. I thought you were very funny. I, it was very cool to watch you remember these moments. Thank you for doing it. I really appreciate it. How can people follow you? What can you plug? Um, I I just plug myself. You know, check me out, Starberry Mike at Starberry Mike on Twitter. Um, that's that's usually where I hang out. If you're into you know funny little quirky little tweets, that's that's kind of what I do to keep it light. A lot of buck stuff. A lot of screenwriting <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, you know, come hang out. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing the show, sir. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That's it. That's the show. My very real thanks to Mr. Michael Starberry. He was really a special guest. That guy's very talented, so impressive. You should all support him. I'm really thankful he agreed to do the pod. The show keeps growing, and it grows because of my producer, Jessica Sang. Thank you, and my editor, Mr. Robbie Arucci. Rhythm J makes the beats. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. Thanks to everyone for listening to the show. I hope you'll consider following us on our socials at First Ballot HOF on Instagram, at First Ballot Pod on Twitter. Yes, I realize it's bad. They're not the same. But come back next week for more First Ballot. I want the MVP. <laughs> I want the MVP, yeah.